0: Election Watch with James Niche on Radio Gibraltar. It's all systems go as the campaign for election 2023 intensifies. We are going to win this general election because the public wants us to win this general election, trying to persuade as many people as possible to back the GSD and make us the government on the 12th of October. Hello, good evening. Welcome to another Election Watch on Radio Gibraltar. What does the week ahead hold for candidates? We go behind the scenes of the campaign with the GSLP Liberals and the GSD. Plus. GSOP Liberals are first to go to the estates as Fabian Picardo gets heckled in one of them. (laughs) In the same week that a GSD candidate is forced into saying sorry over past comments. I apologise wholeheartedly to the whole Jewish community. Also this week, independent candidate Robert Vasquez is in first with his manifesto. He's standing to push for economic and parliamentary reform. Let's grow up. They haven't
1: done it. On
0: Thursday, it became official 21 candidates will be contesting election 2023.
1: Remember that that I have been effectively monitoring our economy for 51 years. Basically, it's the whole of my life. This This is what I do. It's beyond a joke, you know, and the money situation needs to be resolved. And this government doesn't have any answers.
2: If you are fed up of what you're hearing about jobs for the boys, the corruption, if you're concerned about the delays with housing, there's only one answer. To to a very large extent, this election is about who people want to conclude that treaty.
0: A week already since we analysed the GBC poll. It's been an intense campaign as we head to the 12th of October. Already we're seeing the differences in approach by Fabian Picardo and Keith Azopardi. That I am very confident, seeing the way I've seen our membership energise, when I go down Main Street or where I go into meetings, the way that people react to the work that we have done, we are going to win this general election because the public wants us to win this general election. If you want entertainment, go to the theatre. I'm not here to entertain you. Roy Clinton's not here to entertain you. He's here to take care of the money. You don't want your banker to make you laugh. To discuss this and more, I'm joined by Albert Isola and Neil Costa leading the campaigns for the GSLP Liberals. Gentlemen, good evening to you. Good evening, James. Good evening, James. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we've lots to delve into. But first of all, can I ask you, Albert Isola, are you still working in the ministry? Because I was going to say former MPs. How does it work? Is there a Period of handover. Have you now completely left the ministry since standing down as MP?
3: What happens here? No, I'm still in my office. Um, We are working every day. Um, There's a lot of work to be done. Between now and the 12th of, of um, October, um, I am preparing briefing notes for all of the areas that I'm responsible for in order to ensure that uh, whoever comes in afterwards, which I hope will obviously will be the GSP Liberals, will have a very good understanding of where I am up to in all the different areas they've been working with. So uh, I think that's a very important part of the job, which uh, uh, is, is, is for the benefit of whoever comes into government on the 12th. I know you're very involved with the campaign. Any regrets at stepping down? Are you missing it already? <laughs> Look, this job is a job that grabs you, and uh, I will miss many parts of it. Um, I will not miss other parts of it, but uh, I I am enjoying watching the extraordinary work that goes on in these weeks for an election campaign um, from a slight distance, uh, because they are exhausting. Um, The amount of time that you need to give is, is really quite incredible. I don't think people understand just how far you need to go in terms of all the writing, the preparation, the articles, the interviews, the debates... Um, it really is full on. And, and I look at the energy uh, that Fabian has, and I'm just aghast um, that he continues to to do this with so much vigor, with so much energy, with so much dedication. Uh, with so much detail, which is, I think, what differentiates him from anyone else I've ever known. In you talk about
0: energy. I want to talk about stamina on the program uh, with you both. Uh, but you mentioned there, Fabian Picardo, Neil Costa. Can I come to you? Are we already seeing, as we've seen in that clip, perhaps the differences between Fabian Picardo and Keith Zopardi
2: in the approach to fighting this election? Well, I think so. I think it is a question of stamina, but also of substance. If I count incorrectly, it's only by a press conference or two, but I estimate that we have done around 12 press conferences since the election was called to the GSD's two so that that shows the level of detail that has been presented already by the parties who are hoping once again to form government in all areas of policy, and there is still a long way to go. Some people would say it's not about quantity. Well, of course it's not about quantity, but it's about quality. And the fact is that in each press conference, it has not been airy or fairy or in any way insubstantial. Each press conference has delved deeply into areas of policy. In the past, the programme of government that has been delivered in the last 12 years, but also the very detailed programme of government that is being presented to the people of Gibraltar so that hopefully they vote us in once again. Can I be
0: bold enough as to ask the following question, which you may like or you may not like, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Can I ask you both to give me what you think is one of the
2: main attributes of Keith Sopardi? Well, But Sorry, I I just jumped in there, but I think that Keith has a nuanced mind. I think he's very capable of putting forward intelligent, well-thought-out, nuanced arguments. Um, I have seen him in court, and I think he's an extremely capable barrister.
3: I I, I think um, Keith is a competent individual, no question at all about that. But the difference is that there are horses for courses. And if you want somebody to go negotiate a treaty, for example with the governments of Spain, the United Kingdom and Brussels, um, I wouldn't want him in the room. Not because he wouldn't be able to do it, but because of the skill set that you require, he just doesn't have it. Um, I think that killer instinct he lacks. You have turned my question around. Not at all. I'm answering the question about Keith,
0: aren't
4: I?
3: Yes, but about his attributes, not the lack of them, as you see it. Well, attributes, I've said competence. He's a good lawyer, he's got a good brain. Um, I don't believe he has the charisma required for a leader of this jurisdiction, this country at this moment in time. I think we're going to face four of the toughest years we ever have done. Uh, And if we don't get the treaty, it'll probably be definitely the four hardest years we will ever have. Um, And on the other side, I believe you have somebody that has the experience, the knowledge, the character, the charisma and the connection with people. Um, You know, I've worked for the last um, uh, 10 years with Treasury. I've built up very good relationships with individuals at an individual level. We get to know each other, we work with each other, even though they've changed repeatedly through that 10-year period. And it's, for me, all about relationships. It really is. I can walk into Treasury tomorrow and talk about stuff to do with Gar or any other issues that we work on, um, and we will have an immediate connection. Fabian has that. and, And I just don't believe Keith has the type of character that is required to get that connection and certainly not in the time that we have available. You're talking about the leaders. Can I just put to
0: you one of the comments uh, that was made by the GSD candidate Giovanni Origo on last week's viewpoint about uh, the whole concept of the treaty? And I think the GSLP uh, Liberals are are very much focusing and emphasising on this is not the right time to change the captain, this is not the right time to change the team. Mr Origo was making the point that it is senior civil servants, uh, a whole load of professionals who are working with the GSLP
3: Liberals behind the scenes to deliver that treaty? I think that demonstrate just how dangerous it is, because he doesn't have a clue, with the greatest respect to him. Um, The leadership of the negotiations is managed directly by Fabian, Joseph, Michael Yamas, and other members of the team. But the person that has the discussion and has the engagement with the Foreign Office, the Treasury, with the Prime Minister's office, with the Chancellor of the office, is the chief minister. Um, I think that's in an ideal world. But he's right. People like Michael Yamas, for example, would stay on the team. Michael Yamas would, but look, Michael Yamas responds to the chief minister, as he should. Um, and the policy decision, in respect of each and every aspect of it, is the chief ministers to decide. So I, I it's really dangerous to think that you're going to keep the same uh, public sector representation and be the same. It's not. And it's not. it's not an unimportant distinction
2: to, to make in response to that comment, that, of course, it's the politicians that decide on policy and it's the civil servants who enact that policy. So, in response to Mr. Rigo, we work together and I know him, but in response to him, it is, it is a grave and dangerous mistake to think that civil servants lead on the policy. And whether we have a beneficial safe treaty between the UK and the EU on behalf of Gibraltar can only and should only be led by our political leaders and in this case of course Joseph and Fabian. Let's talk
0: about uh, a little bit behind the scenes. Uh, I think our, our listeners, our viewers throughout the last week have been very engaged with everything happening in the campaign. Of course, uh, GBC has started its series of debate programmes from today. Uh, you've both been there. You've both been at the stage where you were standing to be an MP. What does the campaign feel like
3: to the candidates right now? Well, I, I, I have to say, um, I'm on the WhatsApp group's... Um, Uh, with the campaign that we're running, as is Neil. Um, And I find it exhausting just looking at the exchanges that there are on the different WhatsApp groups. We have 14 teams working in different parts uh, of the campaign. We have the manifesto preparation team. We have teams for every single aspect. It's exhausting. And for the candidate, all the support is fantastic, but at the end of the day, you are the candidate. So you've got to be the one that sits down, writes the... Um, articles for the Chronicle or for GBC, on the radio, on the television, for the debates, the preparation, the hustings. Everything is about you. Um, so I, I lost weight. Maybe it's a good... Maybe I, I should have stood. <laughs> but every single election campaign, you survive on adrenaline. Um, you don't even think about eating, you haven't got the time, um, and it's absolutely exhausting. And I have huge respect for every single one of them that have put their names forward for this um, election, and and I wish them well in terms of looking after themselves, because it is one heck of a battle in a very short period of time.
0: Neil Costa, be honest with me, are there times perhaps when a candidate, no matter how much they want this, goes home and thinks, gosh, can I keep going for another
2: three weeks of this intensity. James, you should know that you can only expect honesty from me, (laughs) but people who throw their hat into the political ring, I don't think ever go home to think that they wish that they hadn't. Before you put your name down to be selected as a candidate and as a future minister, you know what it will take and the hours they will have to put in and the effort and so on. So no, I don't think that there'll be a single one of our candidates who are going home and thinking that they regret the decision, to the contrary, I'm sure that they're relishing and as Albert has said apart from relishing every opportunity they are surviving on adrenaline Mm. it's just started, they've still got three weeks to go and I'm sure that they're enjoying every second of it
0: and a busy week and then it got to Saturday thinking I might have a lie-in and no you were out and about in the city centre let's talk about some of the new faces Uh, a number of them uh, were on our Viewpoint programme last week, let's just have a quick listen to uh, some of the comments they made. I've known Fabian for Quite a long time, and um, we've had conversations before. Before actually being mayor, a few years before, I said, "Listen, I'm I'm really thinking of going this way. I need to get myself ready because, you know, here we know where everyone comes from, what we do, and." I know that a lot of people just know me for, for example, the performance side. That's what made me popular. I've been a TV presenter, I've been a radio presenter, I've been in theatre, and people see that side. Behind that is a whole management role that goes into doing that. So for me, I've expressed an interest in anything that can influence the lives of younger people, youth, equality. Ministry um, for Culture. Ministry for Culture, that's my wheelhouse. I would like to see a a section of the community who are low-income earners, I I would like to see those people being able to afford their own homes too. Sometimes people cannot afford it. How would you
2: achieve that, uh, Pat Orfila,
1: if you were in government? This is
0: to do with the percentages that you get for mortgage. Mm. I mean, whereas now we have 50-50, we could always bring that down and have the 40-60. And maybe then these people would have... The chance.
5: I would make sure that um, the appointment system, for example, works. Um, I think if the appointment system works, I, I'm a I'm a 40 year old mother of two children. The um, the the appointment system now works very much better um, online. We've had massive improvements on there, um, but I still get the odd um, uh, complaint from a mother saying, you know, I, mm. I'd like to. So, my you know my desire would be to make sure that. We've we dealt with 80%. Let's deal with 100%. Well, I saw back.
3: that Daddy had taken a step back. I mean, I, you know, <coughs> I think it would have been very difficult for us to be facing each other, given how close we've been as, as brothers, siblings. Um, he took that decision. He took that decision. I was working very closely with Fabian, very closely with Albert, particularly with Fabian as Chief
6: Minister
1: of Gibraltar, and it was almost a natural extension of the conversations that we were having about Gibraltar's future, about the vision that I had for
2: Gibraltar.
0: Some of the new faces for the GSLP Liberals at this election, Nigel Featum, Gemma Arias vasquez Pat Orfila and Christian Santos talking on last week's Viewpoint programme. They also have Leslie Roussong who appeared on Gibraltar today. That programme is available for you on our on-demand service on gbc.gi. And I'm talking to members from the GSLP Liberal campaign. A little later on the programme, I'll be hearing from the GSD side. But with me now in the studio, Albert isola Nilkos. Thank you for being with us here today. Uh, a lot to delve into here. Can I first ask you about the comments by Pat Orfila and Gemma Arias-Vasquez? Because when somebody stands for election, I suppose you go in with all the good intention in the world. Here we have two of the new candidates, like like we hear from the others, but about wanting to bring change. I suppose that's why anybody wants to stand, because you passionately believe in making change how much harder is it when you get in and you realize that perhaps not every element of change is possible if that is a realistic observation
2: well i think that um f- first of all to say that obviously uh, the candidates that i've put the names forward really do believe that they're going to improve the lives of dribbletarians and improve our community that is why they stand and Reform is possible. Some reform is harder to achieve uh, than others. Albert and I have both been ministers for health. The GHA and the care agency and the Elder residential services are huge parts of government with thousands of employees and many services provided. So sometimes reform is slower than you would like, but certainly with dedication and, as has been said before, with dedicated group of civil servants supporting you, reform is 100% possible. and. Let's remember the breadth and depth of the experience that is before uh, the community in terms of the GSLP Liberal lineup. You have s- uh, senior, experienced people, Nigel Feetham senior uh, practitioner in financial I'll, I'll services. I'll come to that in,
0: in a minute. But what I meant was from the comments of those candidates for this election. Uh, surely, when you look at the past few years of the GSLP Liberal, somebody has tried to fix this. Somebody has tried to fix the appointment system, and somebody has tried to do better for housing. Yes,
3: already. I think, I think if I may, um, what Gemma said about the appointment system, for example, is true. It's much much better than it was before. The online system has brought a completely new way of making appointments and it's worked incredibly well. But she's right, we can get better. And I think that's precisely the point. And, and do you know when, when you go into government, um, you always bring your own uh, your own ideas, your own uh, energy, Um, And so that in itself brings change. And so I'm delighted that that Gemma has identified health as an area she wants to work in, because I know she's fully committed to it. And, you know, we're not perfect. Governments make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've been there for 10 years. Of course we've made mistakes. It would be foolish of us to think otherwise. And new people coming in, let them, give them the chance and the opportunity within the framework that we've already built to get it better and better. And I have no doubt that they will. Pat, for example, on the housing, that's an idea that should be explored. We've always relied on 50 50s being 50-50. Why not 40-60? It's a fair question. It's got to be looked at. It's got to be examined. Um, but, you know, when I, when I look at uh, Nigel, Christian, I mean, Christian, for me, has been the best major broaders ever had. Um, I think when I was told he was standing, I was absolutely delighted. And what can I say about Nigel? I, I think uh, the financial services industry is rubbing their hands with glee at the possibility of Nigel being their minister because he's incredibly knowledgeable and experienced and he is an expert in that precise area. So well, incredibly sad, Albert, that you're leaving financial services, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Which I will ask you about, uh, Nigel, and the conversations you've had with him, but you mentioned Christian Santos as the best mayor that you think Gibraltar has ever had. Has the GSLP Liberal Party alliance, opened themselves up to criticism, and this was a comment that was raised on Election Watch last week, that with Christian Santos having political ambitions, was he particularly groomed, in a way, for election, given the profile of mayor? Because Christian Santos says openly on that Viewpoint programme that this was a conversation he'd already had with Fabian Picardo
3: before he was appointed mayor. I've never been aware of that, um, which is a huge credit to him. Um, He's treated everybody fairly. He's met and engaged with every corner and sector of our community. He's never displayed to me any bias whatsoever, which is why I was so surprised and delighted when I heard that he was joining the J.S.L.B. Slate, because I've never regarded him as having the slightest interest in politics. So if that is true, then it's a credit to him that he managed to to deal with the mayorship in the way that he's done uh, so brilliantly and so impartially. So, so going
0: off. forward, we don't think that we perhaps as a community need to change the way that mayors are appointed?
2: Well, the the position of mayor is a civic position as i think christian himself has said that as mayor he had the opportunity many times to celebrate his community but he did not have the executive power to do anything about it and the reason why he if i recall correctly he said that he really wanted and passionately wanted to be a member of parliament was because he saw many occasions where he wanted to do and contribute to change but he was unable to do so because his post was ceremonial
3: i i, I have to say if i may um on that specific point Please don't forget, it was the whole of the parliament unanimously that voted to appoint Christian as the mayor. I think that's important because nobody um, has ever raised that um, remotest chance of bias before. Uh, yes, and but
0: isn't the issue here that uh, one side knows
3: what the future may hold and the other doesn't? One side, look, one side knew five years ago that I was going to step down and Goebbels was going to step down. Nobody had a clue. So, uh, on what basis was he guaranteed a, pl- a place? You're not guaranteed a place until you voted on by the executive, which happened last week.
0: Having said that, I love how we kept asking you whether you were standing for this election and you gave nothing away till the very last day. Well, there you go. Although there was perhaps a hint <laughs> when uh, Fabian Bigardo tweeted about uh, Nigel Featham and, and that he was successful to make it onto the lineup and win the election, that he would be taking over from you. Can I ask you what sort of conversations you've had
3: with Nigel Feetham about that possibility already? I've I've worked with Nigel um, for For some years, Um, when he was far, far away from us politically, um, I appointed him onto the Decision-Making Committee of the Financial Services Commission, uh, which is a group of people who are all experts in their own areas. Um, I needed somebody from a legal background with knowledge of insurance, and there's only one person that came to my mind uh, at that time, and that was Nigel. So I asked him. He was extremely surprised that I had because at the time he was nowhere near the GSLP, his brother was in the opposition, um, and I told him the very simple reason why I'd picked him, because he was the best man for the job, and his political observations or support from his brother had nothing to do with that position. So from that time onwards, uh, and before, um, I've always had respect for him as a professional, and uh, I've had many discussions with him about, you know, he formed a working group some time back, with a number of other professionals to help shape the future of financial services. Um, again, before uh, I knew he was interested in standing for politics. So I think, I think it's you could say the same about you said about Christian Santos. Um, we we want to work with people, and if any of them take take the 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 pill that we all have as politicians to get involved. Um, then then, fantastic. I'm and delighted. I suppose
0: that should you win the next election, your party win the next election, you have every trust in Nigel Feetham to hit the ground running, because cor- correct me if I'm wrong, uh, this would be election on the 12th of October, Gibraltar Day in London, barely 10 days later, where I imagine a lot of the business lunches and business events which happen in the city around Gibraltar Day in London are already confirmed, and I imagine it would be, should the GSLP Liberals win, Nigel Featham, as yes. the Minister for Financial Services, attending
3: those. So, so as you would expect, uh, my ministry has been very, very actively engaged in preparing all of those um, events. Uh, we were looking at some of the locations just last week when we were in London with the JIB alumni, and um, a lot of work has gone into the speakers, uh, the guests, the locations, the areas. We will be hosting around 1,000 people Um, just 10 days after the election. So that work has been done, and whoever wins the election and takes up that ministry will have all that prepared for them.
0: Neil Costa, can I bring you in on campaigns and campaigning? Do elections
2: get vicious? Well, I think that any election has the potential to become vicious, but I don't think that Gibraltarian elections uh, do become vicious. The ones that I've been involved in since 2007, I don't think they did. I think, of course, because I'm speaking to you as a JSP Liberal candidate, I do remember that Sir Peter Carana was particularly scathing and vicious at one point. Uh, that was before the 2011 election. Um, so I think, as I say, they can become vicious, I think that most, most of the debates stay on issues today in your debate on uh, lunchtime radio, you saw for the first time the these uh, the uh, interactions, the interactions, <laughs> the, the more fierce and sharp interactions between uh, between the candidates. But for the most part, it stays within policy. But of course, when As it happened at the time in 2011, I did uh, think, and I remember discussing this with Fabian at the time, that Sir Peter had become, at the end there of that election, uh, especially scathing and vicious. Indeed, they called Fabian unfit to govern, and I think every single day of his uh, time in office has shown that totally the opposite has been the case and that is indeed extremely fit to govern and indeed is the best and safest pair of hands to negotiate and finalise the treaty um going into the future just one for the
0: record because you said speaking as a gslp liberal candidate you say speaking as a candidate at the time at the time not now let's just make it very clear you're not a candidate at this election (laughs) i just wanted to make that really clear for all our listeners and if you're listening to this program on the gbc podcast as well Uh, gentlemen thank you so much uh, for joining us albert isola neil costa i'm going to give you 20 seconds each as a final word are you confident you will win this
3: election I think for the sake of Gibraltar, I very much hope and believe that we will. Um, I believe that we've driven Gibraltar through extraordinary times, challenging times, and I thank God every morning that Faber has been the chief minister during that time, and I very much hope that he is the person that will be able to drive us to the future prosperity and the next level that Gibraltar needs at this critical juncture in our history, because without a treaty, I really fear for the future of Gibraltar. Well, I think that the GSP Liberal team have
2: time and time again shown the the competence, the great ability to manage our nation's affairs. I think in particular with Covid and Brexit that has been the case. And like Albert, I also sincerely hope that the people of Gibraltar know deep uh, within themselves that the only team that is able and ready today to carry on the negotiations of the future uh, relationship between Gibraltar, the EU and the UK is the GSP Liberal team. Neil Costa, Albert Isola, thank you so much for joining thank us you, on
0: Election Watch. Well, in a moment, we hear from the GSD campaign. But first, let me tell you about the first manifesto that's out. It's by the independent candidate Robert Vasquez, who wants to push for economic and parliamentary reform. This is what he told my colleague Jonathan Scott on Gibraltar Today.
1: The government can steamroll whatever led laws it wants through Parliament. It can steamroll through Parliament whatever expenditure it wants. It can steamroll through Parliament whatever public borrowings it wants. And that all detracts from democracy.
2: You, you call it an elected dictatorship.
1: Correct. Um, I find that absolutely correct. It is an elected dictatorship which is only... Um, Uh, circumscribed every four years at an election. Now they're saying that they're going to set up a select committee to look at constitutional reform. Well, look, come on. Let's grow up. They haven't done it. And if I'm elected, I accept I'm only one voice, but I will be a voice in Parliament trying to push electoral and parliamentary reform, which I have been pushing for, for the last 40 years. So get one voice into Parliament that can push it through.
0: And Robert Vasquez also had this to say about something else.
1: But the health service just needs revamping. It needs to be looked at professionally. It needs to be um, uh, provide deal with the complaints that there are that we keep hearing over and over and over again. I have to say one thing that I am now deaf in one ear and I only have 30 or 40% of the hearing left in my other ear and I've relied on the Gibraltar Health Authority to help me with that and they have actually been brilliant to me but I do see a lot of people complaining. So whilst my experience is excellent I'd like to be able to do something about the experience of others which is not So good. Um, It is a difficult area, you know. But the unfortunate thing that we also have now is that our public finances have been completely decimated. We've overspent, we've overborrowed, and there's going to be very little money for most people to do things, and that is sad.
0: Robert Vasquez, independent candidate, talking to Gibraltar today. Well, I'm joined in the studio now by Elliot Phillips and Robert Asobardi of the GSD executive. Gentlemen, good evening to you. Good evening. Thank you for joining us on Election Watch. Like we've done with the GSLB Liberals, I want to go behind the scenes of the campaign with you. But first, we've Hmm. just been hearing from Mr Vasquez there. Today, he's accusing the GSD of copycats in relation to aspects of his manifesto.
4: Well, it doesn't surprise me that uh, Robert makes those suggestions. He has made those suggestions before, but it's clear to everyone who would care to read it and really understand it that we have a clear commitment towards parliamentary reform, electoral reform, and in fact constitutional reform. That has been stock GSD policy for many, many years. I know he's tried to say that we've copied him and that we've copied his manifesto, Simply not true. Was he involved in the process of discussion and consultation regarding that manifesto? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt.
0: I was going to say, perhaps
4: contributing when he was involved with the GSD? Yeah, it would be, it would be ungenerous for, uh, of me to suggest that he didn't contribute. Of course he did. And he added value. Uh, of course he did. But it's, it's, it's clear that the commitment that we have expressed in this election and previous elections is clear that we've done that in relation to parliamentary reform and electoral reform. Uh, Robert Assobardi, uh, thank you for joining us on the programme. How's the GSD
0: camp feeling? Confident?
6: Absolutely. There's a there's a very positive um, vibe and energy within within the the office. The office is now open. From nine to five on a daily basis. The weekends, we're finding ourselves that we're even open now on a Saturday, for example, something that was we weren't expecting. But um, there's such a buzz. There's so many people coming into to our office on a daily basis, who are really, you know, very concerned with a lot of things that have been happening in Gibraltar for the last few years, twelve years, I guess. But you know, I think it's a boiling point for most people. Um, they're coming in with uh, to share their grievances. Um, and, and there is that, as I said, a real big vibe within, within our, our offices uh, to the extent that we're having to spread out as much as we can and I would even say that it's becoming a little bit too small for us, so yes.
0: <laughs> and how, how is party headquarters? And I ask you this in the context, we've heard uh, Keith Asopardi uh, state he's not Fabian Picardo. he's different, that this is a different campaign. We've seen the GSOP Liberals start with a number of press conferences, mm-hmm. perhaps a quieter start, if I may say that, for, for the GSD. Is that how we're
4: seeing the GSD, a more paced campaign, or has it been a quieter start for your I, party? I, I wouldn't say it's been quiet actually, because we look at the last 12 months the output of the GSD has been enormous over the last 12 months we've been on the street we've been campaigning we our social media output has been absolutely huge and much more impressive than it has been in, in recent years to be fair and standing back and look at it now as a slight outsider um, have we have we started slow I, I don't accept that criticism I think it's mm. been a long time coming yeah. but what you've seen today in the anti-corruption press release by by Roy and Keith was a stellar performance in fact a real show the real issue with Gibraltar anti-corruption, investigate what's been going on in public finance. That is the core message that we delivered today. But when news
0: broke of uh, Daniela Tilbury and Craig Sagarello joining the GSD, would you have expected to perhaps uh, for us to see more interviews from them, perhaps more press releases? They've been very quiet since they joined the GSD. You've put them forward as candidates that perhaps people may have wanted to see a little bit more of before today?
4: That, look, standing back, that may have been a fair, fair observation. What I think they're doing, um, as you may have seen from their own individual social media output, is they're getting on the ground. They're knocking on doors, they're shaking people's hands, they're speaking to people on the ground and, and listening to their concerns.
6: Yeah, and it's also very much the case that what we're doing, the, the campaign we're leading is on our terms. It's not mm-hmm. one that we're trying to copy or one that we're being encouraged by the GSLP to follow. It's, it's one that we have already had in place for over a year, and one that is incremental. And uh, as Keith rightly pointed out uh, just last week... You know, a week is a long time in politics, uh, and uh, I don't see why we have to have this sort of, you know, frenzied beginning to the campaign, as we may have seen, which may lead to burnout. You know, we've, ours is incremental; it's sensible; it's uh, it's it's one that's basically building momentum towards to, towards the big day. And I think we're br- very much in a strong position to to make it a success. We spoke about a week being a long time in politics on yes. the program last <laughs> week.
0: I th- I then said 24 hours is a long time in politics, <laughs> no, and my Hassan, who was here, said in today's world 12 hours is probably a long time in (laughs) politics. I don't know whether you've um, and again, just to remind our listeners we draw for the order, so the GSLP Liberals drew first and you draw uh, to come on second on the programme. I don't know whether you had the chance to listen to the first half as perhaps is a slight advantage for those who go second. Uh, But I did put a question to both representatives of the GSLP Liberals. I have to say, I replied in true gentleman form, and I hope that you do the same, Mm -hmm. because I'm going to put the same question to you, but slightly different. I'm going to ask you to tell me what you think is one of the main attributes
4: of Fabian Picardo. Oh, um, that's a really difficult question, James. No, it's (laughs) not really. Look, I think that we have had the benefit in this community of having very strong uh, politicians, very strong leaders. You know, Sir Joe Bosano, Sir Peter Caruana, Femme I think he's had his day in the sun. I, I really do. He's a strong leader, no doubt about it. But I think he's had his day in the sun. Keith Azapadi is trustworthy, calm, collected yeah. and a fierce defender of this community and so he's the man i think we should place our trust in for the next four years um but what i would say is i think that fabian albeit a strong man strong and strong individual he's had his day in the sun
0: i was going to say like a true politician you've managed to again twist my question <laughs> robert that's about to the same question for you
6: well I, I think um one of the things i guess that's made people dr- were drawn to, to fabian initially was uh, the the freshness to his uh, ideas, the fact that he he generally want, wanted change after you know after a long period of time that that, uh, that we had uh, Pisa Caruana, uh, he he did initially I I, I thought it was thought very favorably favorably of him in as much as I thought well a two term campaign a two term uh, office was is something that he wanted and strived for and I respected that greatly and uh, and I, I understand the reasons for him wanting to stay. But I think uh, a, a little bit along the, the lines of what Elliot's saying, I think it was time, and I think it is time. Um, and, you know, we, we've we got somebody in Keith who, as as Elliot has so eloquently stated already, he's a reliable steady ship and uh, certainly somebody that I would want at, at the helm guiding Gibraltar over what are going to be very difficult years because we have been in a state of, you know, uncertainty in our, our finances uh, the transparency, the corruption, etc., uh, and uh, the press release this morning, as Ellie was saying earlier, really hits the, the the right note. And as much as I think it's time for people to realise that we we definitely need the change. Robert
0: Asobari and Elliot Phillips from the GSD joining us on the program uh, this evening. One of the things I want to do with you both is talk about some of the comments that we've heard on Viewpoint, as we've done with the other side. And of course, uh, you introduced uh, some of your new faces mm. on Viewpoint on a Thursday. Uh, First of all, can I ask you about uh, some of the comments made by one of your candidates, Yousef El-Hanna? Uh, this is what he told Viewpoint in An Apology, which I want to put to you, but let's hear first what uh, your candidates had to say on the programme.
5: Absolutely, and they're justified. Uh, they're justified to feel, you know, um, offended. They're justified to have those feelings. I mean, the, the words that, that were written were intemperate. They were spur of the moment at the time, and they're absolutely unacceptable, and I've apologised for them. Um, by writing words doesn't mean there are views attached to those. Certain words are taken in a certain way and those words didn't need to be taken in any way. Those words were absolutely unacceptable and I accept them and I've come out publicly doing that.
2: But are you apologising because you're standing for election and you want votes? I mean, would you have apologised for those comments? Absolutely.
5: And, I, and Were I, you
2: not standing for absolutely, election?
5: Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and I, you know, I'll, I'll explain it in this way. Um, everyone that knows me, and I understand many people in the electorate, do not know me, do not know my character, do not not know what I stand for, have not engaged with me. And and when I say stand for, not necessarily in the context of politics, what I stand for as a human being, as a Gibraltarian citizen, what I've done, what I've spent the last ten decades doing in Gibraltar. And I genuinely and honestly, this is as as heartfelt as it can be, and and I thank you for this opportunity to speak to people directly um, and and apologise and give a heartfelt apology for those words. And for how they feel about them. And I genuinely look forward to the opportunity and every opportunity I get from now until Election Day and past Election Day to speak to these people and to have the opportunity to directly face to face address them. The Jewish
6: community. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Members of the Jewish
0: community. Yosef Elhanna, GSD candidate, speaking on a viewpoint on Thursday. I'm happy for either of you to take that first. Uh, How's the party feeling about it?
6: Well, first of all, I, I, I would like to say that um, not only has Yusuf apologised, but Keith has also apologised to the to the pre- president of the Jewish community. Um, but I also know... Something has that, the president uh,
0: of the Jewish community accepted the
6: apology? From my understanding, uh, yes, but I, I wouldn't want to speak on his behalf, and I, this is only something that was stated today in, in the media, from my understanding, in social media, that is. But... Um, what I will also add, and and something that um, Youssef spoke about, is that that you know, people get to know him. I've I've been fortunate enough to know Youssef for a number of years, from from the early days of playing cricket together, through um, trying to encourage him to take up a teaching job in Gibraltar. He's he's a very passionate young man who cares about the the youth, but not only that, but he really cares about Gibraltar and. The community as a whole, as a united community, we're very fortunate to live in a community that has uh, many faiths and many cultures intermingled, and he is a strong advocate of this. And and I know it for a fact because... Everyone within the executive, I know he has opened um, the, sort of the the annual iftar, uh, the, the breaking of uh, Ramadan uh, and, and wants everyone within the community, irrespective of faith or colour or creed, to come and join and celebrate that iftar together.
0: Have there been conversations about his comments and his apology in GSD headquarters?
4: Not to my knowledge. Uh, I suspect that, um, t- taking a step back, because obviously I'm out of the front line now, I suspect that Yusuf and Keith uh, must have had a conversation insofar as the coordination um, of that particular issue. Uh, but as Robert said, um, he has apologised. He accepted he was wrong to utter those words uh, that were uh, offensive to many in our community. And I think it's a sign of matureness and responsibility that he's accepted that because did, as robert said you know he's a tolerant accepting individual and it is unacceptable to utter those types of words yeah. in relation to an in, very complex international uh, a dispute um a, 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 and therefore he was wise to 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 do that uh, did the gsd so.
0: can i ask <clears> you did <throat> the gsd know that he held these views be it in the past and had you known or if you did know but had you not known would he still be a candidate for the GSD had you known before he signed up, or did you know?
4: Well, from my perspective, um, I have known uh, regarding posts in the past of marches that um, uh, he had been on, but I hadn't been made aware of any of the, of the language that was used. Um, um, so I was quite surprised by that, that that was uh, thrust into the media, because uh, I didn't know about it. You know, I'm, I'm one for defending going on marches, but, you know, insofar as issues like this are concerned, he has rightly apologised. I think that he's accepted that um, historically. I don't know whether that's just been very recently in terms of that apology. It may have been before. I I simply don't know. But I think he's a man that cares passionately about community. I think the apology just came on Thursday night. But look, I I think he's a man, as Robert said, who cares passionately about his community. And he's apologised. And what do we want to do? uh, String him up over the issue? He's apologised. And as hurtful as those comments may have been to members of our community all across the, 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 the religious uh, community, um, I think he has done what, the honourable thing and apologised to members of our
0: community. So as far as you're concerned, your leader, Keith Sobarradi, is squarely behind Yusuf Al-Hanna. You draw a line here, you think that apology is more than enough.
6: Uh, yes, and, and only that to the extent that you, I, I guess it's, there's a question there and whether whether Keith supports Yusuf, and I think that you, you know it's been very visible in the fact that he's gone to the lengths that he's actually spoken to the president of the Jewish community uh, and and sought their apology on his behalf and on on behalf of of the GSD. There, there's no denying I think that he has made a mistake. And but what what I would like to add is that. I've made mistakes. Uh, I think we've all made mistakes, and and the, you know we are you know in the day of um, of young, young, uh, today is um, the Yom Kippur, and it's a time of reflection and thinking about things. And I and I'm sure you know we will we we all have the the capacity and the propensity to forgive. Mm. And I'm sure members of the Gibraltarian community, including the Jewish community. Uh, will have that opportunity to, to accept apologies and forgive and move on because ultimately I think the measure of the man is as uh, is we've already advocated for here t- today is that he is a kind, caring person who really wants the best interests uh, for Gibraltarians irrespective of which background they're coming from.
0: We're talking about those comments which remained on the Viewpoint programme. Let's hear what some of the other candidates had to say.
4: I think we need to bring some humility to politics. We need to not, all, not only check our facts and understand the evidence to make our own decisions, we need to talk to people. And I think there's been a real division between the um, government making their own decisions and then communicating it to people rather than creating spaces for people to have voices, for people to um, shape what happens in our community? I
3: can tell you where my my passion would, would be and uh, I, I think it's evident. Um, it would uh, be with, with disability, special educational needs but um, I think it would be within social policy in general, no? within improving social policies in general, systems that are not working, systems that are broken um, within improving opportunities for young people um, so I think it cuts across different portfolios, different areas.
2: The whole GSOP liberal lineup isn't negotiating the deal. There's this perception that Fabian's sitting with the other twenty-eight EU representatives and drafting the deal, but as far as I understand, they haven't even started drafting the actual context. They're only discussing principles what should be and what shouldn't. This is a deal between EU and Great Britain. And we're the beneficiaries from that. The legal experts, like Daniela said, that will be advising us. The civil servants stay the same. And Keith, I suppose, a constitutional law expert. He's been in politics since he was around 24, which we're talking about 1996. He has more experience than half the cabinet in the JCP level. So to say that just because of the new faces don't really have an experience, I don't think it's unfair to criticise that we will not be able to land this deal. Uh, Giovanni Origo, Daniela
0: Tilbury and Trish Sanchez for the GSD speaking on last week's uh, viewpoint. Uh, In a nutshell, I want to ask you specifically about the deal first. Uh, Giovanni Origo making a point there. It's not the whole cabinet who's negotiating this. I put that question to the GSLP Liberals earlier. They said that was perhaps a little bit naive of him because it is about the captain ultimately
4: and the networking and that relationship? Look, of course, um, there, is an, there is an important aspect to all of this, and that is the relationship that exists between the Chief Minister, uh, the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, the Prime Minister, the Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs. Of course it's about a relationship. But it, it, it is wrong to suggest that only this man can do the job. It is clear that Keith has a party is a strong proponent of Gibraltar, its constitutional position, its relationship with the EU and relationship with the UK. Mm. This election is not about um, who is best to navigate that deal. It is actually who is best to govern this community moving forward. This deal will be done. Let's be clear about it. It's in our interest to get this deal done, a safe, beneficial deal for this community. But I do not believe that the, the only one man in the, on the planet that is able to secure this deal for I'm firmly behind Keith in doing that. We hear from Joseph Garcia that this election is going to be very much about who best can deliver the
0: treaty. Uh, Robert Assobardi, do you agree is that what the GSD is going into this election uh, for, primarily for, who's going to deliver the treaty, or are you looking at perhaps some of the other issues? I look at, for example, our poll last week. Mm. The cost of living mm. comes as the first, as the most important point to people, because it's hurting their pockets. Having said that, let me caveat it that mm-hmm. with the fact that some people would say, well, if we don 't have a treaty, the cost of living is going to get worse. So where are you on that?
6: Well, I speak personally as well um, I, and I 'm totally empathized with everyone in Gibraltar or even in the world who's suffering as a result of this cost of living crisis and If you would read my in my opinion piece in the Gibraltar Chronicle a few months back, um, I really uh, I'm been quite affected, really, by by the fact I've walked around Gibraltar. I've been to Glasses Estates. I've been to Moorish Castle Estates. I've spoken to people. I've been in people's homes, and I've realised, I've seen for myself at first hand, uh, along with all the other members of the executive and, and you know party activists who were who were really welcomed with open arms by, by Gibraltarians who, who are really struggling, who are really, really struggling. And, and I feel that, you know, uh, we, we, we've all been affected but by what this.
0: does the GSD bring for those people? What does the GSD suggest? What can you do?
6: Well, it's, it, first of all, it is, to a certain degree, it's a global issue. Uh, and obviously, we need to see a, a change in, in the way uh, the, the world economy starts to move, which will hopefully uh, would reduce inflation and will allow people's cost of living to be, you know, margin- significantly improved. Um, uh, this government's, uh, sorry, the the GSD is obviously would be looking at ways to. Try to you know look at budgets and make uh, allowances for that, and make uh, make you know, any necessary changes that might improve the the uh, the issues of the cost of living. I think we've seen a very small increment in, or sorry, decrease in, in the, the rate of tax uh, in Gibraltar. That was one percent, and people will look at that and say, well, how can I, how how does that really help me? Because I, it, you know, the, the inflation's at eight point something. So, what percent. are you
0: proposing? What would the GSD do to help people?
6: Well, I, you know, I'm not, I can't speak for, for, for the, uh, specifically for, for the GSD in this case because the, the manifesto will be coming out and we'll be looking uh, at that and I don't want to reveal that until it comes out yet.
4: It's a question of priorities, James. Okay. We have a sum of money that needs to be deployed in very specific areas within our community. Housing, employment, education. Key areas where the general level of complaint is, is, is very high, even on your poll standards. Quality, obviously, the, the cost of living is extremely high insofar as your poll, but look at the others housing, education. Main concerns of people in our community. Those are the ones that need to be tackled.
0: OK, and uh, plenty of debates and discussion programmes coming up on Radio Gibraltar and GBC Television throughout the week. Elliot Phillips, I want to ask you one more question, if I may. You don't have a lot of time, but we saw a number of the new faces on Viewpoint last week as somebody who's been there when you were a new MP, because I want to get a little bit behind the scenes of the campaign. Is it nerve-wracking
4: coming onto your first live discussion programme? Without a shadow of a doubt, it is. <laughs> um, and I remember my first one, and I, it was Terry Cartwright that was clipping me round the ear, and I was in the PDP, so you can imagine that. Um, no, it is. It's very nerve-wracking for people, but I think what they need to tap into is what their passion is, what their vision is for Gibraltar. And once you do that, you do your homework, you study the manifesto, you deliver it well. And that's where you've, you know, I've, spoke, I've spent the last week, I was in London yesterday, I was speaking to candidates on the telephone Sunday morning and Sunday evening, had lunch with the family in between, helping them with their preparations in relation to their debates on TV or on radio. And I think that the key is, understand your brief, tap into the vision and your passion and go for it. Nothing to lose. Can I ask you one final question to to
0: both of you? Do you have the best lineup, and are you confident you will win this election come the twelfth of October?
6: Knowing the executive, knowing uh, the people that we have within the, as a lineup, we've been through a, a grueling process. I would say of uh, you know finding identifying the best candidates. We we spent a very very long time within the, on, on the day that we selected the candidates. Uh, and it was a very very difficult choice, I have to say, to select my ten, mm-hmm. uh, because it was a really you know very strong candidature. But uh, what we have are ten people in in, the, in our our lineup who are determined to make Gibraltar a better place, who are selfless, who are kind, honest people, and what I think what you will see is if. And when selected or elected, you will see Gibraltar transform into a better place. I really do see that. And I, and I, I hope that for the benefit of all Gibraltarians, whether they vote for us or not.
4: Elia Phillips, final 20 seconds. Every election that I've ever fought, I believed I could win it. And, they, and people do believe that they can win this election. I think what the GSD lineup shows to people, it's a diverse group of individuals. For the first time, three strong, independent, diverse women from all sorts of backgrounds that can offer something different to our community. And I think that's a real sign that the party has massively rejuvenated over the last decade that we have been in opposition. I think it's the GSD's moment. um, and And I would ask everyone who goes out there to vote all 10 of the GSD candidates. Elliot Phillips, Robert Asobardi of the GSD, from the GSD Executive, thank you for joining
0: us on Election Watch on Radio Gibraltar this evening. Thank, thank, you. You. thank, thank you. Thank you, for you, having you very much. much. Well, you've been listening to Election Watch. A reminder, you can download your TV and radio schedule from gbc.gi. There's a bar at the top of the homepage. Just click on that for your full guide to our election programming on GBC Television and Radio Gibraltar. And Election Watch will be back uh, when we'll take a look in detail at week one of GBC's coverage, including the leaders in the spotlight. That's Thursday at a quarter past nine. If you'd like to join us in the audience, we'll free tickets on the first come per serve basis will be available on Wednesday morning from 10 at the John McIntosh Hall. It will be strictly on a two per person basis. That's for the leaders in the spotlight live from the John McIntosh Hall at a quarter past nine on Thursday. Thanks for listening for all the news and programmes on election 2023, GBC Television, Radio Gibraltar and GBC.GI at the centre of all the election coverage. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.